Hey, it's Chris Jarvis. And Kalia Metcalf. And thank you for, for listening, listening to It's a, a Queer Thing. thing. begin today's show we want to encourage you to use our email and email us your comments and your questions things that you want to hear us talk about you can email us at it's a queer thing that's t-h-a-n-g it's a queer thing at gmail.com it's a little little country twang little, little following LGBT the country song twang. it's the country yeah. twang queer okay thing. anyways we promise to read each and every email and uh, we might feature your email your question in a future episode so yeah it's a queer thing at gmail.com so, we've got a lot of show today. Uh, we're going to be talking to the health department, to the GSA. We have some notes from the recent drag brunch, and Dr. Cat will be here to talk quistry with us. So, let's jump right in. Dennis, do we have um, Joe? Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear us? I can hear you just fine. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today. What's your title over at the Department of Health, Joe? Sure. I'm Joe Prado. I'm the assistant director for Fresno County Department of Public Health. Okay. So what we wanted to talk about today is monkeypox, as you know. Can you tell us exactly what monkeypox is? Yeah. Uh, monkeypox is a, is, a, is a virus that we are seeing here in the United States, and we are seeing it here in Fresno County. Um, and this uh, really um, presents itself um, when the, someone does contract it. Um, there's a rash, there's sores, flu-like illness. And so that is um, really what we're experiencing and what we're seeing in our population right now. And in Fresno County, we have um, 13 cases as of to date. Wow. So a rash and, and some other things you just mentioned, but how serious is this? Is this something that's sending people to the hospital? No, you know, um, what we're seeing nationwide, uh, a very small percentage is actually going to the hospital. Uh, the majority of patients are had a mild in, illness, and they do not require treatment. Um, and treatment is something uh, else here that we're working on here in Fresno County. We, um, Out of our 13 patients, just to give you an example, only one of those 13 individuals to date actually needed treatment. Um, the other 12 so far are, are in the mild illness realm, but the one individual we were able to get them treatment here in Fresno County. Okay, and um, how is it contracted? Yeah, it's contracted through direct skin-to-skin contact with the rash lesions, um, and so we're seeing it um, through sexual intimate contact, that's including kissing, and also living in a house and sharing a bed with someone, um, sharing utensils, cups, towels, or unwashed clothing, and also through respiratory secretions through prolonged face-to-face interactions, and so, uh, you know, that could be something... Um, Commonly, we'll refer to like face cuddles, right? Right, right. <laughs> so it's, it's that intimate contact. So it's not necessarily, this is not classified as a sexually transmitted disease, uh, but you, you can um, contract this through other type of intimate contact. So um, it's not a sexually transmitted disease, but I'm sure that you understand that this sounds, from the beginning, it sounds a lot like the beginning of the AIDS crisis because what, and I know I'm not trying to compare AIDS to monkeypox, but the dialogue out there has been, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's highly contagious among men who have sex with men, which is what we were hearing. So what I'm seeing in the community is that, oh, I'm okay because I don't have, I'm not a man having sex with men. Can you tell us, first of all, why it's categorized that way, why it's more prevalent among gay men? 
Yeah, and, and so what we see with a virus is it's a matter where it starts first. And so unfortunately, it, um, it presented itself in our men who, have, men who have sex with men population, and overwhelmingly throughout the United States, and even here locally in Fresno County, it is presenting in that population. But that doesn't mean it's going to stay in that population. Because of the way this virus can be transmitted, like I mentioned with sharing utensils, cups, living in a house, sharing a bed with someone, if we start thinking about this other types of um, contact, this can be someone maybe that you live with, someone who um, actually has um, the virus but really doesn't know and, and then or, or really isn't aware of the, of the lesions or some other rash. And so this really can present itself to the general population. So, yeah, unfortunately, it has um, you have seen that in, in the communications with um, out there. But really, this isn't just in the MSM population. It, it really can get out to the general population. And in the metropolitan cities, um, they are starting to see some of that as well, and it creeping into the general population. So I think this is something everybody needs to be aware of. And just really understanding um, this virus and, and seeing, um, and you know, a rash, that could be so many things. That could be another type of STD. It could be something else presenting. And so it's so important. If you have um, a rash, that's not common. So go see your primary care physician, go see a doctor to make sure they run the right test to rule that out. So that, I think that's something that we all need to be really aware of, the, of the importance of these symptoms presenting, but also going to a doctor to rule out some other right. um, diagnoses. Right. So speaking of the medical component of this, what about vaccines? Uh, is there a vaccine? What are the core requirements to get it? Yeah. So um, right now, and so this is kind of, it, it's taken us back to COVID at the beginning when there wasn't a lot of vaccine available. So right now in Fresno County, we've been allocated 730 doses. Um, out of those 730 doses, our, all of our medical providers in, in our community have administered approximately 200 doses of that. Um, so what, we're, what we, are, we, we are doing, we're working with our medical providers, and it's not simple like, hey, I want to vaccinate, uh, I want to get some monkeypox vaccine. There's requirements. There's an enrollment process, just like COVID vaccine. There's a special inventory, a cold chain control for monkeypox vaccine, very similar to COVID vaccine. So we were able to bring on five providers quickly to get them on and providing monkeypox vaccine. So we have that information on our website um, right now. And so um, we are also, um, on Tuesday, we'll be, we'll be going to our Board of Supervisors with the contract to expand the clinical capability for monkeypox vaccine. And so this will be a great asset to the community. Once the Board approves on Tuesday, that medical provider is ready to um, go active the very next day on Wednesday. And it will be a drive-through um, type of um, access point in central Fresno. So we're excited about that. We're also working with another uh, medical provider who is um, has an LGBTQ center um, plus center and has already is a current monkeypox vaccine provider. We're getting them more vaccine and they're reaching out to our LGBTQ plus community to make appointments and they are filling up their cards quickly. So we're excited about that partner getting more doses out as well. Right. So you're going to see a huge difference um, next week, especially with that contract being approved um, by the board. Okay, Joe, but can anyone, after the, if you talk to the Board of Supervisors and moves, this moves forward, can anyone just go get a vaccine or is it going to be like no. COVID it, when you had to be a certain age or this or that? Yeah, no, great question. So let me, and so this is going to be a little long response here. So first of all, anybody who's identified as a close contact is someone who has monkeypox. 
So a suspected or confirmed case, we're going to have a conversation with you. And if you do not have symptoms, uh, we're going to recommend the vaccine for you. And then laboratory workers, certain clinicians, public health response teams who routinely handle monkey virus, monkeypox virus samples or diagnosis, or they're working with our, our, our high risk population, we're going to want to vaccinate those healthcare workers there. And now um, attendees of events, venues where we know of a monkeypox exposure has occurred within the past 14 days. And actually, you're, you know, you're the first ones to hear the new expanded criteria here. So we're, we're going to be reaching out to our medical providers this evening and letting them know we are adding sex, um, sex workers of any sexual orientation or gender identity. Okay. Um, we are also um, gay, bisexual, and other men or trans people who have sex with men and meet at least one of the following criteria. And here are the following criteria for, for that group there. New HIV diagnosis within the last 12 months. Um, are on HIV pre-exposure prophylaxis, were diagnosed with gonorrhea, chlamydia, or syphilis within the past 12 months, or engaged in sex with multiple partners in the past 14 days. So these last ones I mentioned are an expanded criteria than we had previously. And the reason why we expanded the criteria is that now CDC has has changed uh, the formulation, I'm sorry, the, the amount of vaccine we can administer um, to our population. So previously, one vial would be one dose for one person. Now, CDC, they've conducted a study and they're seeing really good immune response with the vaccine. And so what they're now recommending, one vial can serve five people. Okay. That, that changes the ball game completely. So this is why we're going to be able to set up uh, a more of a larger scale uh, Monday through Friday type of vaccine um, clinic for the community to go to central Fresno. And we're going to want to uh, utilize that vaccine fairly quickly. So we've got some right. doses in our freezers right now. And we're going to pretty much put them into the refrigerator on Monday so they are ready to go for Wednesday. Awesome. And people can find out more information by going to the Fresno Health Department's website, right? Absolutely. We'll Great. have all this new information up this evening. Okay, Joe, thank you so and much. Also, Breaking news here. And on Tuesday when the board approves, we're going to get the information out real quick um, to our medical provider on Wednesday and where everybody can go. Okay. 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 And we'll, we'll post a link to the health department on our Facebook page after this. So everybody, thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much, Joe. And thank, thank you. you. Appreciate the time today. Yes, and thank you to the health department for Absolutely. being on top of on it. On top of it. Sounds yeah. like they're really moving on this, which sure, is great. For sure, for sure. Okay, so we know that our show is really packed today, and we're not going to be able to do the same kind of news thing that we've done in the past, but there's some stuff going on in one of our fair states here that we have to talk about a little bit. So, Chris, let's talk about Florida. Florida. <laughs> Florida. God, with Florida. And especially with Ron DeSantis, who I call the spawn. I wish I've got to have some music or some booming behind that when I say it. So, there you go. The spawn. Although that's sounds like an, sounds an angelic. Happy. Yeah, yeah no, we, we got to have that. something else. Dun, dun. Yeah. Oh, there we go. So okay. if you don't know who Ron DeSantis is, he's the uh, governor of uh, Florida, and he is going to be running for president. So the, this, it's important to pay attention to him. Um, you know, Glad um, has said the following things about him. These, these are bullet points about Ron DeSantis. He backed the Florida Department of Education's advice to schools to disregard proposed federal guidelines that prote protect trans youth. He lied about gender-affirming care in, uh, in an interview on Fox News. He's, News. he said, they will actually take a young boy and castrate the boy. They will take a young girl and do a mastectomy, or they will sterilize her because of the gender dysphoria. 
there is no evidence, this is him speaking, that this is something that's effective medical care. That's all BS. Um, after losing in the legislature to make gender-affirming care illegal, he directed state agencies to issue guidance to begin to strip Medicaid coverage for gender-affirming care. And that he, is happening right yeah, now. it's happening right now. Not yeah. just there. It's happening all over. And he targeted small business owner uh, owners hosting a drag brunch using state agencies to harass and threaten our house, which, which is a restaurant and lounge in Miami. He condemned the Walt Disney Company as being too cozy and communist with communist China, <laughs> following uh, yeah, following Disney chief executive Bob Shapek's um, acknowledgement of error in saying silent on Florida's "Don't Say Gay." He got a lot of. Um, uh, you know what he got a lot of for that. <laughs> and he finally Guff. came out. Yeah. Yes. Guff, there's a good word. Um, his press secretary, DeSantis's press secretary, Christina Pushow, Pushow, P- oh, whatever. Christina P. There she goes. She libeled opponents of the Don't Say Gay Bill as sexual predators. On Twitter, she wrote, the bill that liberals inaccurately called Don't Say Gay would be more accurately described as an anti-grooming bill. And that's one thing that's aggravating the hell out of me, this grooming stuff. And um, uh, they defended the anti-LGBTQ Don't Say Gay Bill and lied about the contents of legislation. They took down a Department of Education website that supplied educators, parents, and students with anti-bullying resources. They signed a restrictive transgender youth sports ban into law on the first day of Pride Month. They vetoed all funding for LGBTQ programs from the $101 billion state budget, including $150,000 for mental health care and $750,000 to house um, LGBTQ children. Um, This guy is just a piece of work, and if we don't watch out for him, he could easily be the next president of the United States. Yeah, it's really disappointing. And if you've looked into any of that don't say gay stuff, the uh, qualifications and the instructions that the different districts are getting are confusing. There's some districts that are getting these uh, video explanations about how, like, if you see two girls holding hands, you don't have to say anything. But if one of them refers to the other as their girlfriend, then you have to contact their parents. And then you have other districts that are saying, oh, no, if you see anybody being overly affectionate to one another, then you have to call in the parents right away. So, I mean, it's just all over the map and it's not consistent. And it's all and, wrong. That's yeah. the only consistency And we know that, that we any young child that is outed at school in whatever way that may be then outed to their parents, some of them are, are at risk of being kicked out, being abused, um, being persecuted in all kinds of ways by uh, unaccepting parents. So... You know what they're doing, and they're well, like we said, we're doing this across. They're doing this across the country right now. They're doing it to rally their base. This is all opportunism. We don't even know if these people believe what they're saying. They're simply trying to get reelected and have a career because these people that are adamant about this BS stuff that they're saying will come out and vote. Um, so make sure you come out and vote too. Right, definitely wedge wedge issues get people motivated for sure. But the the concern, of course, right now is as kids are going back to school, uh, schools should be a safe place. And we know that there's bullying in schools, and we know that schools aren't always safe. But uh, it's good when there is safe spaces and places where there are teachers and a sense of community. And that is a perfect segue, if I do say so myself, to a pre-recorded interview that I got to do with Kristen talking about the GSA and what the GSA is and what it does here in the Valley for students who are LGBTQ, um, IA, and allies. So, Dennis, can we roll the tape, my friend? Kristen, tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Kristen. I use she or they pronouns. I am the statewide organizer for GSA Network based in the Central Valley. Awesome. Now, for the people who might not know, what does GSA stand for? GSA formally stands for Genders and Sexualities Alliance Network, but a lot of people might know it as Gay Straight Alliance. When I was in high school, we called it the QSA because it was like Queer Straight Alliance, and then it converted to GSA. So I missed the whole gen. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's a, a 
a more recent conversion, but a lot of people probably know Gay Straight Alliance, but formerly Genders and Sexualities Alliance. Very cool. So GSAs are clubs on campuses, high school, junior high? Yeah, mostly junior high and high school. But since I've started, there's actually been a few examples of people who are starting GSAs in like upper elementary. We also kind of work with any sort of like LGBT or queer alliance or kind of like pride club, but our focus is mainly middle and high school. Okay, so here in the Valley, off the top of your head, would you know how many schools there are that have GSAs and like maybe what kind of percentage that is of all the high schools in Fresno or Fresno County? Sure. Yeah. So we have a process with GSA Network where individual clubs basically register with us, which is how they get kind of in tune with us as a bigger organization. So currently I looked up sort of the information for last year and we had 50 registered GSAs throughout the Central Valley, but the number has been as high as like around 60 to 70 in the past, but those are only GSAs that have registered with us. Not every GSA club decides to register or even knows about the process of registering. So, you know, for every registered GSA, there could be an even higher number of unregistered ones, but there are a a surprising amount of um, LGBT or pride clubs in the Central Valley. So what is the benefit of an organization, a club on campus to register as an official GSA club? Basically, it connects you with a ton of resources. I get basically a notification every time someone registers and I send a welcome email. So they have my contact information and then they have broader access to sort of like membership benefits, events that we put on, handbooks, virtual resources, in-person events. They basically just get connected to a broader organization. And it also provides a bit of a sense of community since a lot of the events we hold are, you know, because of the pandemic, they're virtual, but they're also statewide. So you also get connected to other people involved in GSA clubs across the state to kind of learn what other people are doing with their clubs in different parts of, of California. Can you give us some like very specific examples of something that a club might get or get able to do? Yeah. So essentially a lot of what I do and the services I provide are things like campaign opportunities, leadership development, workshops, political education. So an example is we we do these things we call site visits where either virtually or in person, we go and visit the club. You know, we meet everyone, we talk about what we do, and then we'll usually set like more of a specific goal and purpose. So often the first meeting, I'm just kind of introducing myself and then the club will say like, we really want to get more gender inclusive restrooms on campus. What would it take to have that happen? Um, And I'll kind of work with them to give them political and organizing education. We'll make a plan, you know, we'll say, okay, here's your goal. Let's work backwards and see how we can achieve that um, through advocacy and activism. So I can provide things like that, but also really any kind of workshop, like my goal and and job is to kind of meet the needs of individual GSAs. So if I've had conversations where kids are like, we want to know more about coming out to our parents, you know, we want to know how to address climate issues on campus. People have been using more slurs. How do we address this? So I really provide whatever resource is needed through education and kind of like organizing and workshops. That's awesome. With all of the the states, especially Florida and other states doing their don't say gay stuff, is the GSA, is it a national organization or is it a California? How does that 
work? What are you guys doing? Yeah, so it's a national organization, but the team I'm on is mostly based in California. But we do literally have, we created this thing called Devising Freedom, which is the work we're doing to directly kind of address and create space for people nationally to kind of like move through the current onslaught of anti-queer and trans laws. What was it called again? It's called Devising Freedom. And yeah, it's a whole program that has been created where it's a campaign essentially where we have national gatherings that are, of course, currently virtual. But yeah, there are basically ways that we can do self-care, safety planning. There's wellness resources. It's just a way to kind of like it's exactly as it says, devising freedom, devising a plan for queer and trans freedom in the face of all of this like legislation and, and cultural backlash to our existence. Okay. And so if a club is starting up on a campus, what would be your advice um, for how to start a club and then how to get in touch with you and get involved in part of the network? Yeah, so my main advice is to go to our website, which is gsanetwork.org. The register button luckily is like this big pig button, so it's hard to miss. But we have literally like guides, like 10 steps to start a GSA. Okay, so you can register before you actually have a club on campus. It would help you make the club on campus? Yeah, some people will like preemptively register when they're starting to form one so they can get connected with resources, but you don't necessarily have to start by registering. You can start by kind of like finding out what you need on your school to start a club, finding an advisor, and then begin the process of registering. But I always recommend going to our website. We have GSA toolkits, we have resources, we have a calendar of events, and there's even information for advisors because often we'll have advisors who are like, this is my first time advising a GSA club. I'd like some guidance. So we have resources for them too. I would start by looking at our website, find our little startup guide, steps to start a GSA, kind of peruse our resources. And then you can go to gsanetwork.org slash GSA dash registration, which is the direct link to registering. Cool. And any advice to the junior high and high school students as they head back to school last week, this week, next week, et cetera? I would say get involved with if you have a GSA on on campus, get involved. I know it's like something you hear from adults so often is like get involved with clubs on campus. But um, if you're a young person or a trans or queer young person, having those spaces and being part of those spaces or being the person to start those spaces is so crucial and important and can provide you such a sense of like solidarity and community that can make going through the education system, especially in the Central Valley, so much easier, like to have people you can relate to or to be the person to start that space really can make all the difference in how you navigate your education experience. So if you have any other questions, um, listeners, and you want to get in touch with Kristen or with the GSA networks as a whole, uh, Kristen, how can somebody do that? Yeah, so the easiest way is by email. You can email centralvalley at gsanetwork.org. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And we will put gsanetwork.com or .org? .org. .org. Okay, good. Glad I checked. <laughs> gsanetwork.org into the show notes of the episode. Thank you so much, Kristen. This was great. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so thank you for coming back to KFCF 88.1. It's a queer thing on the third Friday of every month. And remember, we need your support at this station. Uh, We'll give you some more details on that later. So um, I went to a drag brunch um, last week. Um, I don't know if you know, but there are drag brunches hosted at the Fresno Breakfast House. They they do some at Vibes. Uh, They do some around town. And uh, while I was there, I heard about a little controversy, and I spoke to uh, Leilani Price and uh, Justin Sider, and we have a little brief interview we did with them, Dennis. Thanks. (sighs) 
Okay, I'm here with uh, Jessica Graves and Paul Hernandez, otherwise known as Justin Sider and Leilani Price. We're here to talk about a recent controversy. Yes, so at our, so I'm the host of Mimosa Drive Brunch here at Fresno Breakfast House. If you haven't checked it out, please check us out. Go to FresnoBreakfastHouse.com. Sorry, shameless plug. Um, I wanted to talk really quickly about the situation that happened. So the Breakfast House, Simone, um, is our the partner I'm partnering with in all of this. She had sent out an e-blast to some of the members here the reward members and there were some negative responses to that so what was happening is they were saying like oh you're supposed to be a Christian or a Catholic based you know uh, business or organization and she really took offense to that and I did too you know I think Simone has done a really great job at creating a safe space not only for gay people but also to have a drag brunch it's the one sorry there's two drag brunches I'm host both of them by the way uh, but <laughs> Uh, it's you know it's in northwest Fresno and to have a drag wrench here in this area is a first I'm blown away that we even have the opportunity to do that. But two, the fact that we have a very supportive business behind us, you know, I think, you know, we sell out shows. There's 90 plus tickets that get sold. Um, and we have a, a couple people that were just like, you know, this is against God. And, you know, and I told her, sometimes you just have to understand people aren't going to support you with everything that you do. They're never going to be a true supporter. So don't worry about those people that choose to not come back to your business. Because for everyone that does not show up, guess what? You're going to get 10 more people that are going to come support the business. And Jessica, when I got here today, you were Jesus Christ. How do you feel about all this. <laughs> well, like I was telling you a minute ago, when I when I first showed up, I'm not going to lie, I was dressed as Jesus Christ, and I was a little little scared to get out of the car, um, just because I saw some people that looked a little a little Trump supporty, if you will. <laughs> um, and so I was a little scared to get out of the car because you just don't know sometimes. Uh, but my number that I performed today, I really wanted to show a message of God is love, and um, I've always been taught, especially by my mother, that it doesn't matter who you love; it's the person that you are on the inside, and that's really um, what God will look at when you die, like the whether or not you were a good person or not. And so that was my message today was just that God is love and that, you know, the haters can hate, but they shouldn't be using God as their hate because that's not what he's about. All right. And when's the next event? The next event is October 23rd is our Mimosa Massacre horror theme. So we're going to be doing some horror characters at Pennywise. I'm going to, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm going to be playing the victim all my life. But I'm going to be doing one of the victims, so I'm super excited. I'm, I'm just, honestly, through everything, I'm really happy that The Breakfast House has been super supportive. I have creative control over the ideas, the themes, and they just are fully supportive on it. So to have a business here in Northwest Fresno, like I said, to be so supportive and so happy to work with me, and they're compensating the, the uh, entertainers like fairly well, so that also makes it even, ten, for me, ten times better. So I love to see that, and I love to see everyone come out. You can get your tickets at uh, FresnoBreakfastHouse.com. And I can tell you, I had a great time today with my husband, James. You guys, please come out to the next event. It's well worth it. All right. So thank you to Leilani and Jessica for that. So um, I had a great time at this uh, brunch. Um, support these people. I will post some links on our Facebook page later. Um, right now, we would like to welcome Dr. Catherine Faubert to the table. Um, Catherine is here to talk about a project called Quistry, which, full disclosure, I am a part of that committee as well. Um, Kat, can you tell us what Quistry is and why it's important? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for letting me come and speak about this. Um, so Quistory was founded by Jeffrey Robinson uh, a couple of years back. And, you know, his vision for it was to collect, preserve, and to also share local LGBTQ plus histories of Fresno and the Central Valley. So much is, you know, lost in our community because... W- 
as a queer community, it's kind of difficult sometimes, especially during times of great repression, to keep and to preserve our history. So if we lose an elder or if we lose a community member, in many ways we lose an archive. And Jeff liked to collect archives, that is for <laughs> we sure. Know that. He's very legendary uh, storage units and so forth. But that came from a lot of a passion for him. So Quistry really started off with his vision of wanting to preserve the histories, the stories, and so forth, and really believing that every person, every LGBTQ plus person here in the Central Valley has an important story to tell, and that it is also part of Fresno's story. I got involved in Quistry uh, in 2018 when it was the Pride Parade was running a special theme, which was Raise the Bar, which was all about history of gay bars, and I've done previous research on that. And that sort of kind of kicked off putting Quistry as uh, more of a kind of like Jeff's like sort of core project to being a program under Community Link, which we then, and then, you know, we recruited Chris willingly, unwillingly. <laughs> well, <laughs> we he asked him to come on. <laughs> we enticed him to come on, as well as many other community members. And our first goal was to start just getting people excited about collecting oral histories. And so we did. We did some oral history workshops. We then teamed up uh, in 2019 with StoryCorps, which we had the biggest turnout. Like, yeah, StoryCorps people were, like, surprised how many people came out. And in then, fact, we had so many. It was such a great turnout they turned us down for several interviews because we had so many people that wanted to interview absolutely absolutely and then you know obviously during the pandemic things kind of put for a pause and so now really you know as both a you know us believing in the mission and the vision also that jeff set out as well as just our passion so many of our community members are really passionate about preserving and sharing and educating others about our history history is kind of re-emerging or you could also say relaunching or basically being like hey we're coming back and so that's where we are uh having what is called the project is called mapping queer fresno Mapping Queer Fresno uh, came about, we got a California Humanities Grant, and the goal with Mapping Queer Fresno is, is we, it's a two-part thing, where we're hosting a series of really fun, uh, conversational panels uh, based on local topics on LGBTQ history uh, in Fresno and the Central Valley, and then the other exciting part is that Quistry will will be building a really fun interactive website, which we hope will be a great educational resource for young people, as well as just a place to start learning about our history. So it's a two-part type of thing, and we're going to be hosting, starting in September, a series of really cool, fun panels uh, with local activists, leaders, and artists, and so forth. So those panels sound really interesting. Can you give us some more specific details about the panels? Yeah. What one would expect, and who would go to a panel, one of these panels? Okay, so these panels are open to the public. Okay. Uh, they are at the EOC LGBTQ Resource Center, which is on 1252 Fulton Street, so just downtown mm -hmm. uh, Fresno. The uh, the topics range from, so we have, uh, we're hosting seven panels, and they run uh, some really great ones, like such as the history of the Fresno Pride. We have the history of HIV AIDS activism, in Fresno from 1981 to now. We have uh, a really fun, exciting panel about uh, intersectional LGBTQ voices, so voices of Hmong, East Asian, Black, and Latin or Latinx queer communities, as well as uh, a, a panel called Gender uh, Trans, uh, sorry, Building Communities, Trans Communities Building in Fresno, as well as Pride in our campuses. The whole point about them um, is to bring people together 
who have had who have either been in the past organizing and are really important to where community orgs or movements have gone in Fresno or who are present and current activists who are engaged and so forth and it's meant to be conversational it's hopefully going to be a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) it will be a lot of fun okay I always get a little nervous when I'm like it's fun (laughs) we promise (laughs) right it's always hard to mix oh we're going to teach you something and have a good time but but it's gay people you know what helps with that though is snacks yes there are (laughs) snacks going to be there there's going to be drinks there non-alcoholic but drinks and there will be uh it it will be just a great time for you to come and listen learn about some things it's free did we say it's free yes it's It's completely free. free Uh, we are going to be recording the panels, so for those of you who miss them, and you can find the schedule of, of when they're happening um, on our Equestry Instagram or Facebook page. We have a flyer out for that. But if you miss it because of whatever, we are recording them, and the goal is to then put it on um, what will be our future Equestry website, which will hopefully be launched in February and so forth. Yeah, we actually found a company to create the website for us uh, using the grant money that we got, and it's exciting. It's going to be a real, professional, usable, functional website. That's yeah. awesome. That's been the biggest thing about Quistry is that because we have been around, we have been recording a lot of cool oral histories. We've got tons of thousands of square of scanned documents as well as many more that we want to right. do. We just didn't have a, a web platform that could carry that amount of right, load. right. Okay, so the website's not active yet, but do you know, uh, you did mention there's a Facebook. Is there also Instagram? Yep, there's an Instagram. So if you go to um, uh, Quistery, uh, I believe it's just Quistery Fresno on Instagram, and I think it's just Quistery on Facebook. And just so that people know, it's Quistery, Q-I-S-T-O-R-Y. So Q... To leave the U out. Yeah, leave the the U. U It's not quistry. It's (laughs) quistry. Like history, but for queers. queers. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So you can find all of our information about like when the panels are, as well as anything else that we are are trying to promote and so forth. Again, these panels are meant for a great way for you. So they're open to the public. They are family friendly. You can come and learn and listen as well as just kind of enjoy listening to people talk about both the past and the present. And yeah, that it's going to be enjoyable. structured, but it's going to be casual too. We yes. want, and we're going to do Q and A's from the audience after the panel has spoken. So we want this to be kind of an interactive history lesson uh, in, in the Fresno and the Central Valley. So exactly. we can talk to different parts of the community, different people and learn about where we came from and where we're going. Yeah, the big part about it is that we want it to be something like sitting in the backyard listening to a bunch of people talk and right. kind of enjoying that vibe. Right. Very cool. All right. And um, uh, where can people, or we just talked about where people can reach Quistry. Sorry, I read the wrong note there. Um, <laughs> and Kat, tell us a little bit about my, what you do at Fresno State. Yeah, so I have the very lucky uh, position of being a queer studies scholar, and I was hired to build a LGBTQ uh, studies program. And so uh, after a long um, work of trying to build classes because there just weren't classes like that's just the reality basically working from nothing 
uh, we have created through my program, uh, my department that I am, which is Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies, a new LGBTQ2 studies minor. And the two is really important for us. That represents two spirit. Uh, mostly, one, we want to represent the full spectrum of our queer community, but also because for our department, we have very close connection to American Indian Studies. One of our professors is, is in both, and I wanted that to be represented in our program. So... Right now, we offer a lot of cool classes, and hopefully the minor will be officially launched in the spring semester. Cool, very so cool. We're wow. excited. It's a, it's a, it's a big, uh, it was, it's been a big endeavor of love, but it's also so important to have this representation at Fresno State. Right. So, speaking as someone who has no interest in going back to college because I have oh, enough really? degrees. Um, <laughs> no, no. But is there a chance that, say, a random person yeah. like myself could get a list of the course materials slash books that you'll be using in your classes? Absolutely. One, you can always email me. But, uh, so if you email my, uh, my name, which is Catherine Fobear, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-F-O-B-E-A-R, at mail.fresnostate.edu. You're more than welcome. I can share with you all the course material. And also, it's open to community members if you want to sit in and listen. What? Yeah. Get out. Really? Yeah. yeah. At least with me. I can't promise for other professors. Ah. Okay. But if for me, if just send me an email. Say like, hey, so like, for example, this semester we are teaching uh, LGBTQ representation in film and television. So we're watching oh. a lot of films. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know the bell comes in. I'm so excited. Uh, and then we have one on gender and sexuality in education, which is specifically aimed towards liberal studies students. So these students who want to become teachers to get them to bring in LGBTQ content and have a critical understanding around gender and sexuality. So especially for those of you who want that sort of education that's there, we've got intro to LGBTQ studies, which is a, like an intro to queer studies. Next year, we're going to be teaching a queer history of the United States. Um, wow. So, yeah. So, we've got a lot of cool programs. That's very Classes cool. coming. So. All right. That's awesome. Say your email address one more time for those people who yeah. might need to back the tape up and listen again. Yep. So, it's my name. So, it's Catherine Faubert, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-F-O-B-E-A-R at mail.fresnostate.edu. And if you're interested... Uh, in like classes or if you're also interested in Quistry you can either email me or you can also email Quistry which is quistryfresno at gmail.com and let's remind people that it's Q-I-S-T-O-R-Y that gets a little confusing but it's Q-I-S T-O-R-Y that spells Quistry I need some pom-poms when yeah. I do that or something <laughs> either that or I feel like we're going to Sesame Street style back yeah here. exactly yeah. 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 there's no you. <laughs> alright well thank you so much Kat for being here we look forward to those um, talks coming up I, we will post it on our Facebook page thank you for coming back to KFCF 88.1 it's a queer thing on the third Friday of every month and as far as we know we're the only queer radio station show happening especially at right now so if you would like to support us we would love that support by supporting the whole radio station because this radio station is awesome this is locally operated since 1975 and independently owned very important stuff so you can go to kfcf.org click on that donate button to support us with a monthly donation or a one-time donation there's also a local pledge line which is 559 559- Five seven three 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 five zero, and if you give that call, and then you can say yes, I would like to donate my five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, maybe a boat, maybe a car, and an RV. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, we <laughs> will you take don't your donation. Your house, I'm sure they'll yeah, take it. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of ways to support us. So kfcf.org is the place to do that. Okay. 
It's time for good news, bad news. All a, right. A brand new segment. And we've asked Kat to stay with us for this. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about some good news, and we're going to talk about some bad news, whatever is going on in our lives right now. Uh, do you want to go first? Can I just say about what the impetus of this was yes, a little please. bit? Because Kalia said everything I said was negative. She said, <laughs> I, when, I, when we did our book reviews, movie reviews, I was just being negative, 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 which is why we got the bell for her. But we don't have a uh, uh, for Chris, so we I'm decided. I'm gonna have to get a kazoo next time. So you were like a sad trombone. Like, yeah, wah, yeah. Wah. But I said, if I'm gonna do good, then you have to do bad. So we decided we would both do good and bad. So I have a good one. I'll start What's with a good? good one. Uh, voters in Jameson Township in Michigan voted earlier this month to end the property tax that funded the local library, gutting its 245,000 yearly budget. Without any funding, the library was expected to deplete its reserves and run out of money. But two days after the vote, resident Jesse Dillman set up a GoFundMe for the library and they have so far generated $133,000. Wow. That is good news. All right. What, do you, books. what okay. do you got, girl? Uh, my good news is that A League of Their Own is an amazing TV show that I binged in three days and it's awesome. You binged the whole thing? Was it six, eight episodes? I don't know. I just watched them all. It's you one very out. long episode. All right. No, it's great and it's super fun. It's a thing about history with these softball, sorry, baseball players from the 40s, as we all know, based on the movie that was based on real life. It's really well done. I really liked it. And I'm also playing queer kickball now with the league here in yeah, Fresno. So that, that was super fun. It felt very kismet to be watching queer ladies play baseball after playing queer after kickball, playing kickball yeah. in the in the hot sun. How about hot you, Kat? What do you got for good news? Well, first, I would like to just geek out with you. So I used to live in Fort Wayne, Michigan. Oh, sorry, Fort Wayne, Indiana, not Michigan, which is the place where the the League of Their Own is based off of. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So I so that's pretty exciting, though. So I can geek out with you about that a little that bit more. That is awesome. Um, I would say I'm going to shamelessly plug something that I, I think is going to be really good. So Trans Emotion this upcoming Saturday is hosting uh, Gender Euphoria, which is a fundraiser for our rental housing relief. So this is the only rental housing relief uh, program for the trans community, I think, in the Central Valley, like wow. in general, uh, and one of the few around in general. And it's, it's really meant to help. It's a low barrier rental relief fund for anybody living in the Central Valley who identifies under the transgender spectrum. And we initially started with the seed funding from Equality California, and we have helped over 20 individuals. It was launched officially in uh, January 2022, and now we are doing our first, like, I would say adult fancy schmancy fundraiser this upcoming Saturday. All right. So I'm very excited about it. I'm also very, like, nervous and stressed about it, but I think it's going to go really well, and I'm really thankful. Tickets were sold out within a week. All right. So we're excited. That's okay, cool. well, let's go to the bad now, bad right? news. which I'm happy to do bad news. Marjorie Taylor Greene, if you don't know who this second spawn oh is, my she's, God. she's an awful troll. person. She has introduced legislation to federally ban gender-affirming care for trans kids. She argued that gender-affirming care, which is backed by most in the medical establishment, is disgusting and appalling and child abuse. Um does she know any of those words? When minors are involved, um, she was on Tucker Carlson, and he enthusiastically agreed and said that those doctors who provide that care should go to prison. I don't know what the hell is wrong with these people. There you go. There's 
There's a good news. Thanks, Dennis. All right. This is also the lady, by the way, who said she didn't want solar power because she wanted to be able to turn her lights on at nighttime. Yeah, well, she, so, she was the Jewish lasers one, too, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's got peace out work. Okay, what's so your bad news, Kaylee? I have Kaylee? some bad political news. Um, well, it starts off not terribly bad, but then it gets bad. So Liz Cheney lost her seat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Liz Cheney is now planning on. Now she's planning on running for president, and she has decided to switch teams, and she's trying to fundraise to Democrats, basically saying, "I am your only way to get rid of Trump. I can beat Trump." Here's the thing: a lot of people get rid of Trump. They don't want Trump. We don't want Trump back for sure. But here's the problem: Liz Cheney has a horrible record yeah, when it exactly. comes. Yeah, to, She's never voted. Remember who she was before all Please of this. Please don't be swayed. So that's my bad news: is that right. I'm seeing well, a lot how of weird you, Kat, Do you have a bad? We I should have, have done this the other way, where we ended with good. But oh, go I ahead. <laughs> okay. So I would say that you know I was just thinking about the bad news I've seen every, every, just right now this this morning, which was a Florida court effectively blocked a pregnant. Pre- Apparently, a 16-year-old from getting an abortion yes. saying that she is not mature enough to make that decision, despite her own acknowledgement that she is not ready for the emotional, physical, or financial responsibility of raising a child. I think this speaks a lot to the danger of these parental permission laws. It's, it's, it's in the same line of the Don't Say Gay bill. Absolutely. There, it is incredibly... Heartbreaking. Support women. Women need the right to decide their own destiny. This is BS, and we all know it. Yeah. All right. So. We're going to end. We're going to end here with telling you to please stream the show at kfcf.org. I will also be posting the show probably tomorrow or the next day. And I have got a quote, because Chris said I could have a quote. Oh, yeah, quote here is, there's nothing wrong with you, but there is a lot of wrong with the world that you live in by Chris Colfer. And my quote is, the best mind-altering drug is truth. And that's a Jane Wagner quote. Very Um, cool. Our podcast players are coming soon. Support the station. Support the station. Support the station. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it.